0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Fusion Students Podcast. If you have any questions or want to get connected with us, you can check us out on social media at Fusion Students KPT. Enjoy today's message. So if you didn't know what you were walking into, basically what we've done for the last few weeks is I've collected a bunch of questions. Um, Questions can range from silly to where I'm going to do like one silly question a day. And sometimes silly will be off-topic, but um, I'll do a silly question, and then I'll do a couple um, real questions. Uh, Not so much real, but on-topic questions. Uh, So these range anywhere from super simple answers. Uh, We're going to start out with some of those today, just kind of simple. And then as the the series progresses, we'll kind of take a break. Kind of during December because December is going to be crazy, uh, a lot of traveling. Uh, you know, I'll be having a kid well, Kayla will be having our kid. Um, so we'll we'll kind of take a break and then we'll restart in January um, and we'll just kind of hit it full swing. And I'll start handling a lot more of the more uh, difficult questions. Does that sound good? You excited? Yeah. I'm as excited as I am about Ryder's mullet. Have y'all seen it? It's amazing. Oh, it's just it's great. All right. So, here we go. Are you ready? Yes. The first question that we're going to answer in this series is what sound does a flamingo make? Please turn your attention to the screen. That. That is a flamingo. I mean, they get scared. I think they stick their heads in the ground or is an ostrich? Are you ready for the first real Bible question? All right, first one. Why are there different Bibles? What's wrong with the good old KJV? Short answer, and then I will abbreviate. Nothing is wrong with the good old KJV. Uh, The reason why KJV has kind of of drifted off, especially for your generation, uh, is kind of the same reason why I showed the kind of funny video uh, in the in the opener because as, as language progresses, it's harder to read something you don't speak every day. So how many of you talk in Old English every day or even once in your life? Yeah, a couple of you. So so you know if you if you just love the old English language, like you you wake up and you're like, "Is thy tea prepared? Thouist. Go to the coffee pot and bring hither my coffee. Uh, you know, if you talk like that, you enjoy stuff like that, then, uh, you know, you might really enjoy the KJV Bible. Now, uh, there's, there's different things. What, was, what languages were the original transcripts written in? Anybody know? Greek? What's another one? Hebrew. What's the third? Anybody know? Not much of it was, but there's just a little bit. Not Roman, not Latin, Aramaic. So um, there, there's just a couple words, uh, more than a couple words, just a few passages that are actually Aramaic. Most of the, if not all, the Old Testament is Hebrew. Most, if not all, of the New Testament is Greek. So uh, if you will pop up my little slide up here, we're going to kind of look at some stuff. And then I'm gonna play you a a quick little video. So it's got word for word, it's got thought for thought, and then it's got paraphrase. And it actually gets less clear as I get closer to it. So, uh, can I get some volunteers? Y'all three, come stand up right here, next to each other, uh, about a foot apart, foot apart. So word for word is gonna be the closest that we can possibly get with the English language uh, to the uh, original. Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic, Aramaic. So what are those? That's going to be your Amplified Bible. That's going to be your ESV. That's going to be your NASB. And then right past that is where KJV, New KJV is going to come in. New KJV was written to be as close to the word for word as possible. But at the same time, it was written to really make the Old English language beautiful. As pretty as possible. So, what happens is, is you have you have literal literal translation. You have dynamic equivalent. So, what's the difference between that? So, literal is here's a Greek word. Here's the English word, the closest English word that I can get to this word that's in there. The closer you get to the literal, if you've ever tried to read like the NASB, NASB for short, um, that's the New American Standard Bible. It's very difficult. Um, Sometimes it just doesn't read uh, perfect. So as you get closer to the NIV, instead of it being a word right on top of each box, each other word, what you have is a dynamic equivalent. So if you've got one word here and you've got one word here, then you've got the basic idea. And that's what the dynamic equivalent is going to be. So when you go to paraphrase... So you've got the dynamic equivalent, which is kind of like your NIV, uh, your NLT, stuff like that. Then you've got the paraphrase. Everybody know what a paraphrase is? This is your message Bible. Um, so this is going to take all three words here, and it's going to be kind of like a Bible commentary. All right, thank you. Y'all can sit down. That makes sense? That help? So if you're doing an in-depth Bible study, what versions... What what sphere of which range do you think you should be? Right here is the original languages. Right here is your NASB, your ESV, and then over here is like your KJV, stuff like that. So you want to be over here if you're like really doing some in-depth studying. If you're doing like a devotional, then anywhere from right here is really good. If you're doing a devotional, you're doing a study, and you're like – I have no idea what this passage is trying to tell me. None whatsoever. Then, that's when you go to something like the message. And that's where the message can be helpful. Um, I'm never going to encourage you to study or do a devotion out of the message Bible. If you're doing that now, I would highly encourage you to get something more like the NIV. Um, and then Or the ESV. Just because you're not going to get the the full thought. You're going to get the paraphrase, which can be very helpful, but you're not going to get the same thing that you can get out of something, a different translation. You with me? All right. Kayla, will you play that video, the,
1: the first one? Apologetics seeks to give credible answers to curious questions. What are some further thoughts about Bible translation? At the end of my last episode on which translation to use, I said, hey, let's not get too caught up in this. Let me give a little bit of background. Earlier on in my ministry, uh, I was living in Arkansas and I was invited out to a rural area and I spoke in this very traditional rural church. And after the service was over, this gentleman told me how they had a Bible-burning evening. It was like the night before, the week before, and how they burned all non-King James versions. And I thought, my goodness. I looked at them and said, man, you guys just burned the translation that God used to change my life. At that time, I was reading from the NIV. Today, I use uh, the ESV, the English Standard Version. But my heart was torn at the thought of somebody feeling so strongly about a particular version that they felt comfortable having a Bible bonfire so when I talk about not getting too wrapped up in this, look, we can trust that we have good translations to use. And when we get into this whole idea of which English translation is the best, uh, we have to remember that one of the great things about translators and these missionaries and other cultures, they are striving to help put the Bible from the Greek or the Hebrew in to their native language. And so I'm thankful that we even have a discussion about which one is the best. We're lucky to have one translation. And so we we have a whole host of options and i'll say what i said in my last video it's This, if we're trying to do in-depth study, a literal translation. If we are seeking to do devotional reading, uh, we might want to use the literal translation, but there's some more flexibility and we can do a devotional read in a dynamic equivalent or even utilizing a paraphrase. Uh, We just need to understand the purpose for which we're seeking to study the Bible and read it. I hope that will help you in making a choice as it comes to studying a Bible for yourself. Awesome. So.
0: The whole point is, there's nothing wrong with any translation of the Bible out there. Uh, You've probably heard some people be like, I can't read the NIV because the NIV, they left out that verse. They left it out, so therefore it would be a cult. They added and removed from the Bible. No, that's not what happened. They're comparing it to a more literal translation, so to make the dynamic equivalent of that." That verse was no longer necessary to pr- to make that point. Does that make sense? So cool. Um, okay, so how many people wrote the Bible? Roughly forty. Uh, there's some debate on if it's thirty five or if it's forty, um, but forty people uh, in total uh, is believed to have written the Bible. Uh, why are there why are there sixty six books? So when they were compiling the canon, what they did was they number one they looked at hey what's the oldest stuff that we have. What what is everything that was compiled back here in the Torah, um, and then the other the other forms? Was this written by a prophet? What was a prophet? Somebody that heard directly from God, right? All right. So, uh, prophet was it written by a prophet? Was it confirmed by the acts of God? And then was it accepted by the people of God, with the life transforming power of God? So that's how that's how the little. Council kind of sat down and said, um, "You know, what what's real, what's not." Way back in the way back in the day, that's that's how we compiled uh, the Word of God, and that's that's how it doesn't. You know, forty people writing a book. There's less than forty people in here. If we all sat down and we started writing a book, and we all had different things we had to discuss, do you think it would all come back to make sense? Much less make sense. But also, do you think that we would contradict each other? Probably. So the fact there were 40 men that wrote the Bible, there was only one God that gave them the words to write. So that's very important uh, when thinking about it, because as we're going to look at in just a second, we don't want to give any, anything to our power. So the Bible was not written by men. It was written by God through men just how when, when anybody that gets up to speak, you're trusting that we're just not making stuff up, right? You're trusting that, uh, when I get up here to give you a word that I, A, I know enough about what I'm talking about to say, Hey, you can trust me, but still go do my own research. And number two, that I've spent enough time looking at it that I'm not going to give you something that contradicts God's word. Makes sense. Cool. Where did Christianity start? Who watched everything happen? Uh, That part of the question uh, and this part of the question we've already answered. How did the person uh, that wrote the Bible stories know the Bible stories were real? Uh, It just all went back to, A, did they see it? Uh, A lot of the stories about Jesus were firsthand accounts. Um, So that's, that's really, really cool. And then Christianity as we know it began with Christ. Um, Christ came not to um, destroy the law, but to fulfill the law. Let's look at Matthew 5. Do not think I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, uh, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law. Until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside the least of these commands and teaches others according accordingly will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever practices and teaches these commands uh, will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses uh, that of the Pharisee and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not either enter the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus came. Um, not so much to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. We no longer have to live by the law. We no longer have to do all these little, you know, hundreds of of things correctly so that we can be that good Pharisee, so that we can be that good person. Uh, We have Jesus coming in, and and you see Paul talk about this so much. Um, We have Jesus coming in that split the veil, and it made it possible to have that one-on-one relationship. With me on that? Excellent. All right, last and final question, and this is the biggest one. So why does God – and we actually uh, we actually talked about this a good bit uh, at high school Bible study uh, last week. Uh, a couple of y'all stayed behind, and we talked about an hour and 15 minutes after the actual study ended, so that was fun. Uh, but we really hit, hit on this hard. And this is one of those <sighs> – cliche, the Bible doesn't say this, but it makes you feel really good when you tell it to somebody that's hurting. So here's here's the question. Why does God put everything on some people at once? People say it's to see how strong you are, uh, but what if one day uh, it gets to be too much and you can't handle it? What are you supposed to do? So the root of this question is actually one of the biggest lies uh, in Christianity. It's, it's what you would call one of those... Uh, facebook christian hugs that's not true god never said in the bible that he would not give you more than you can handle never said it you can't find it why so here's the deal chances are pretty good that you're either in a situation you can't handle you're going to be in a situation you can't handle or you're just coming out of one so I'm a pretty strong dude, right? Pretty strong. So, but if you put like 400 pounds on the bench press, you know, my brother-in-law could lay down there and just knock out like 15 reps. Dude's a beast. Um, but if I lay down there, it's going to drop right there. And I'm going to suffocate until he picks it up off of me. So that's the image that a lot of times we think about this question. We think, well, if I was just a better Christian, I would be able to handle that. Aaron's stronger because he's a pastor, so he can handle a whole lot more things. See, I'm just in sixth grade, so I can't handle that much. I'm just a senior in high school. This is, this is the max of my ability to handle. For those of you that were with us in the um, Hope in the Dark series, what did we say came in the valley? Not the mountaintop, not the joyful. What came in the valley? Intimacy, growth. Because how many of you have ever been just walking down the road, everything's going great in life, and you're like, man, God, thank you so much for these blessings. Thank you so much for everything. Oh, just love it. Some of you are, and that's great. But more than likely, when you're on the mountaintop, you forget about God. More than likely, it takes a journey to the valley to to call his name. another example of bad Christian sayings that are not in the Bible. When God closes a door, he always opens a window. you ever heard that one? yeah, i don't believe that either. Um, and this is my favorite one my favorite. Remember, God helps those. Who help themselves? Anybody heard that one? That's not in the Bible either. And then the one that goes with that: God will never give you too much than you can handle. In fact, God said the opposite. Let's look at 1 Corinthians ten thirteen. This is the verse that this actually kind of gets morphed out of. All right, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. So, number one, this is talking about sin. Number one, this is saying, this isn't about stuff I'm going to put on you. This is about when, when you get tempted, I'm going to provide a way out. So, in this verse, who's providing the way out? He is, God. God. So what this verse does not say is, but when you are tempted, uh, you'll be able to figure it out because you're awesome and you can endure it and handle it. Does it say that? No. So it's the same idea. If you look at Paul's writing, which we're going to in in a little bit, we are weak. We are very weak, but he is strong. So how do you know when you're supposed to, when you have too much to handle? Pretty much you always do, even if you don't realize it yet, because we are all in need of God to help us move through that. So he never said more than you can handle, but he said you will not be tempted more than you can bear. So Gideon, how did he describe himself? He was the weakest. Moses, what was wrong with him? He couldn't speak. David, he said, my guilt has overwhelmed me. Like a burden too heavy to bear, and then even Jesus began to be deeply distressed and troubled. And troubled, my God, I my mean my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow. This is why he's praying in Gethsemane, and little these droplets of blood are dripping off his forehead. We are not created to live a life outside of God the Father. We are not created to be able to do anything under our own strength. Point number one, why does he allow this? So that we depend on his presence. So when things are going really well, it's easy not to depend on God. Uh, it's amazing when life gets difficult how fast we call upon God. Has anybody ever read the story of Jonah? Jonah, he's the guy that got eaten by the whale. Good thing to weld it and chew, though. The whale's just kind of swallow. It's pretty, pretty great. So he lived in the belly of the whale for a while. So he said in... In verse 2, I believe. In my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. So, from the realm of the deep, he's in a blamed well. Of the dead, I called for help and he listened to my cry. So, Jonah's not sitting down here in the belly of a well, being like, ah, I got to figure out how to get out of here. Maybe if I poke this, maybe if I poke that, the well will throw me up. No, he's like, all right, God, I ran away from you a little bit. I'm ready to come back. Like, I'm ready to get out of this well. And in verse 7, when my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Never let the presence of a storm let you doubt the presence of God. Remember we talked about wrestling and embracing? A lot of times we, we, we love the embrace. We're like, oh, God, I love you. Then bad stuff happens. Then you have to wrestle. Never let the presence of a storm take you away from the presence of God. Reminder to call on him. Psalm 145, 18. David goes, the Lord is near to all who call on him. To all who call on him in truth. The Lord is near. Never let the presence of a what? Of a what? Of a what? Keep you from calling on the presence of who? God. <laughs> Y'all that bored already? Excellent. Um. So, so... Why will God give you more than you can handle? So you will call on him and his goodness. Second reason, teaches you to experience his power. Let's go back to weightlifting. You ready? So if I've got 400 pounds sitting on my chest, 400 pounds right here, the most I can lift is like probably 300, 320. Haven't done it in a while. So that's probably about as much as I have a shot of getting off of what's laying right here. What are my two options? Wrestle. I can wrestle. I can wrestle with it. I can try to get enough strength to kind of make it fall that way, and then it's going to slap me back that way. Um, You know, that's probably not the greatest idea, uh, but I could do it. Um, But what's, what's the better option? Say, hey, can somebody help get this thing off me? right? I right, get this off me because, because why? At that point I can't bear it. I can't get it off of me. So I need help. But you know what we do as Christians? What we like to do as Christians is we like to let that 400 pound barbell set on top of us and we try to push it off, but we forget one thing that it's not ours to bear. So that's why God allows us to go through more because it was never ours to go through. He was always going to be right there with us, guiding us. Because in the storm, His presence is still there. When you realize you were not created to handle everything, that's when you get to experience His power. So Paul had a thorn in his side. We don't know what this is. Something it might have been blindness. Something it might have been an injury. Uh, we just don't know what it is. Paul prayed. Paul prayed three times for God to take this away. And this wasn't like a. This wasn't like a uh, we're gonna sit down at supper and we're just gonna pray a little bit. Oh uh, God, please take this thorn out of me. That'd be really great. Yeah, you know, thanks. You know, if you could consider that cool. No, this is this is like Paul is fasting. He is like, God, take this from me. I can't do it anymore. And he is spending every waking moment just pleading. God says no three times. See, one day. You're going to have that thorn, and you're going to ask God to remove it. You know he can do it, but for whatever reason that we will probably never know, God allows it. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 11. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. So Paul's sitting here, and he's praying, and he's saying, God, take this away. And look how God answers but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. My power is made perfect in weakness. Paul, you're weak right now. Paul, you've got a thorn in your side. You don't. You can't handle this, but guess what? My power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more. Therefore, I will boast all the more. Paul just got told no, but he's saying I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power May rest on me. Whose power? Is it Paul's power? Next one. That's why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I'm meek, then I am strong. They're probably, man, like, I hope none of you ever go through all the stuff that Paul went through. Paul was beaten, Paul was put in jail. He was the one bit by a snake, right? I think so. He's bit by a snake. Like all sorts of just junk happened to Paul. And he's still saying, hey, I'm gonna delight. So either Paul is just like, man, I love the awesome power of my God. And I realize the awesome power of my God, which is the side I lean on, or Paul is just flat insane. I think it's this side, right? That Paul just knows the power of God. When you can't do it, you have the supernatural ability of God to help you through it. Your level of strength is nothing until you lean on him to carry. Because why? It's not yours to carry. Like You've got a culture that's saying you have to be strong, you have to be self-sufficient, you have to be powerful, You know, men are supposed to be strong, women are supposed to be strong. That's great. But instead of saying I have to be strong, you should say I have to be weak. I have to be broken. I have to be dependent on him. Why? Because when I'm weak, his strength is made perfect for me. Last thing we're going to look at, Matthew 5. This is the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. This is King, this is Jesus saying, blessed, blessed are those. So also number one, you don't have to be all these at one time. So it's when you're broken, blessed are you. When you mourn, blessed are you, you'll be comforted. But what did we not see in there? We didn't see blessed are you for when you were strong. Blessed are you, hey, you can handle everything. We saw when you can't do this, God lifts you back up. Are you with me? So God, may, God says, my power is made perfect in your weakness. Everybody say that one time. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Do you believe that? Do you feel like your answers were... Your questions were adequately answered today. Excellent, God, I thank you for this day, guys. Thank you for this series that uh, that we're going to kind of start now and finish up in the new year, God. And I just pray praise you with each and every one of these students as we go through each question, God, that that it just brings more questions and it brings more answers. And God, it just—it's not that they that they learn new things, God, but it's that everything is bringing them closer to you. And God, just asks that you bless each one of these students, God. Just empower them as they go to school tomorrow. And uh, God, just thank you for who they are. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you've enjoyed listening, be sure to hit the subscribe button and rate and review the podcast. And hey, 6th through 12th graders, if you'd like to come hang out with us, we're at Harvest Community Church every Sunday morning at 1130. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you again next week.